Do you ever feel that there is more to life than what you're experiencing, but don't know how to get there? At the heart of each of us is a desire to find meaning and purpose. However, many of us don't know where to begin. Welcome to the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Steve Chua. And I'm Pete Cofarcio. This show will teach you to be confident in your identity and embrace powerful mindsets so that you can fulfill your destiny and life purpose. We're excited to take you on a journey to transform your life so that you can transform your world. Welcome everyone to the Transform Your Life podcast with Coach Steve and Pete. Actually, this week, it's not Steve and Pete, it's Steve and James. Over the years, uh, we've been meeting amazing people, and some of you know I have a, a coaching company called Insight Ad. We have a number of coaches who just add so much difference to the community of coaches that we have that really help industry businesses and organizations thrive. And one of these people is James Merry. Hi, James. How are you doing? I am doing well, Steve. It's good to be on the show with you today. It's so great to have you. James is actually a education consultant for the Cincinnati Children's Hospital, and he was responsible for 16,000 people. I don't know how you do that, James, but his expertise was in teaching people how to teach and to learn and to retain. And over the last number of months, I've really enjoyed working with James. Particularly, we've been in the, working in the Philippines together, right, James? Yes, that has been some great conversations with some business leaders there. We've been uh, taking them through the Inside Out curriculum. But today, I actually want to focus on your expertise. And it actually takes me to, to our transformation tip this week, which is a quote from the great Winston Churchill. And he said this, I'm always ready to learn, although I do not always like being taught. <laughs> do you like that one, James? Oh, that just, yeah, that kills me because <laughs> I have been through that process of learning what not to do, what to do, how some classes can be so great and so interactive and others can just be so boring, so bad. <laughs> and so uh, that, yeah, that quote hits me real good. Yeah, Actually, it reminds me of going to church on Sundays. <laughs> no, yes. I, I, to my pastor, I, I apologize. Like you said, sometimes you get some of the most amazing teachers and you, you're on the edge of your seat. And actually, quite a few times I find myself dozing off. I don't know if you can relate to that, James. Oh, yeah. I have put people to sleep and I have fallen asleep myself. Well, this topic was really interesting because when James first introduced this area of how we retain what we're taught, it kind of spoke to me immediately. Uh, I've said on this podcast a number of times, I actually have a reading disability, James. They say I'm a visual, tactile, kinesthetic learner, which sounds very intelligent, but it basically means I don't understand what I read. <laughs> but for years, I used to think I wasn't able to learn, yet somehow people kept telling me I was smart, and I didn't understand that. And then when you began to bring this insight in, I went, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And so we want to spend a few moments with our listeners just to help you understand as you're listening, what is the best way for you to learn? And why is it that maybe sometimes we think we're really bad at learning? All right. And so James, how did you get into this? Well, as I started to teach, I was put into the position of a teaching, didn't really have much background in it. 
But I learned quickly that, man, people can be so interested one day and the next day everything seems to fall flat. People are falling asleep. What is going on? And so I just thought I had to work harder, maybe present louder or talk more or whatever it was. But I realized that the lecture piece was the thing that was killing me. When I was doing all the talking, everybody else was zoning out. And so as I started to talk to other people and watch other people kind of go through the same process, I realized this lecture piece is really the most common way to teach, but seems so ineffective. You know what? I get that. The psychology of this, it's got neuroscience attached to it as well. But apparently, most people only retain like 5% of what is actually spoken in a lecture. I think we call it didactic teaching, right? Uh, Yes. I mean... Think about it. I mean, how many of you really just want to be talked at? Yeah, you know? we hate that. <laughs> None of us like that. None of us, we feel like, I'm not a child. Don't talk at me. So when you started understanding that this lecture mode, this didactic form wasn't working, James, what was your process then? I started to talk to others about it. You know, what, what what's going on? Why isn't this working? And I had a guy challenge me one time. He asked me, you know, what's your greatest compliment when you walk out of a room after you've taught, you know, a class for a couple hours? And it's like, oh, when they walk by me and say, James, thank you. You are so great. Love the show. You know, it was really very entertaining. It's like, oh, that really made that, that was my definition of success. And he said, wouldn't it be interesting if people walked out of your class and say, man, do I understand this content now? It's like, oh, wow, (laughs) that seems to be the goal of most teachers, but I had made it all about myself. What did I know? What kind of storage could I tell? What information could I share? And did not understand at all the process of how we learn. That's really, really fascinating because, you know, you're right. So many times as people who are trying to give instruction, we are consumed by our own revelation right? So our own understanding, our own knowledge. And sometimes without us realizing, we want to show how knowledgeable we are. <laughs> yes. but, the, but I guess the goal of any communication is whether the person on the other side actually understands it. Okay. Yeah. You and know, how do you know if somebody understands it? If you're in lecture mode, you're doing all the talking. You might ask a question like, do you understand? Everybody <laughs> nods their head. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know, you know anything about what they've learned. I tend to just focus on the one person who's nodding all the time. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe half yep. the other room is asleep. But uh... <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, just walk us through, because you know, when you were talking, there were like seven different ways that we could learn. Okay? Yeah. And obviously, we touched the first one, which was kind of the lecture mode. And, and like I said, there's like a five percent retention. Uh, what other ways can we learn that that you were studying that could be effective or not effective? Yeah. I mean, reading is a way people learn. Again, the retention rate is very low, maybe 10%. When people start to bring in the audiovisual stuff, we got some you know, video clip here or just using PowerPoint, something that I can look at beyond just the, the, you know, the person doing the lecturing starts to build that retention. And when I started to think about where were those places that I learned the most, it was in those places where I was involved in the conversation smaller groups, small discussion groups. I have learned so much in those places where I could ask questions, interact with the leader. And you know that discussion piece was huge. And so you got the audiovisual and then you even have you know the ability to be able to demonstrate things to people, showing people how to do something and maybe have them come up and do it also. That's a helpful way also to learn. But 
the discussion thing was a key point that I'd like to talk a little bit more about. Yeah, just before we get into that, James, I was just as you were saying that, I was just thinking, you know what? In our schooling, so many times we're in a classroom, people lecture and then give us reading. <laughs> and and you're right, when people put PowerPoints, that helps. Uh, but some people like me who's a, who can't understand what I read. <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> I'm fascinated by this demonstration discussion piece. And what I've discovered is that a lot of people who want to engage their senses more than just their hearing, okay? I mean, if yes. lecturing is just audible, reading and audiovisual is kind of visual, right? And, and that yes. helps a little bit because now you're engaging a couple of different things. But I'm really fascinated with this demonstration discussion piece. Can can you just elaborate on that a little a little bit more? Yes, uh, typically in a class that we would do around communication, uh, the crucial conversations was the content, and it was great to talk about this stuff. But people, unless they had a chance to do it, so they would I'd ask for a volunteer to come up with me. We'd have a conversation. Here's I'm setting the situation here. It's really tough. I say something that should insult this person. How are they supposed to respond? Well, now we're, when we're talking about it, ah, that, that makes sense. But when you actually have to do it, that's a whole different ballgame. And so when people are in that place of demonstrating, it just helps it stick in the brain quicker, helps it stick in that long-term memory. It just makes sense because a lot of people want to be able to engage in the material, not just listen to the material. Is that what you're saying here, James? Absolutely. That's what these neuroscientists that I love to read about their stuff they, I mean, this is how the brain engages and how things start to stick in that long-term memory is when we get involved in the mm -hmm. process. We as adults want to contribute. We want to share our experiences because even if I share my experiences where I failed, it's like, but teach me, how do I do that right? Because I kept failing in this place. I mean, those are just great conversations. When we start to get into that world of demonstration, we've already upped the retention rate to maybe 30% of what's going on. When we get into that discussion place, I start to remember half of what's going on now mm, wow. because I'm involved. It's my experiences. I've thought through what you're talking about. I'm trying to apply it. Maybe ask you a question. How come it didn't work in this time? You give me some feedback about it. It's like, oh, okay. I start connecting the dots and this stuff starts to get to that place that I'm not just hearing it and remembering it, but now I'm understanding it. The first time I met James, the art of kind of icebreakers or doing group workshops together and what i noticed james was that you were you had a kind of a strategy where you were deliberately engaging people into a a workshop a game uh something that would nail a point okay and then afterwards you just open it up for discussion people what are the lessons learned what what did you think about again whether you're a parent because if you're a parent right now and you're trying to get your kids to do something they, they don't seem to care <laughs> If you're lecturing them, they're not going to get it. If you just tell them what to do, they're not going to get it. Sometimes they need you to come alongside of them, demonstrate it, and process it with them. And maybe that's a clue. It's the same thing in, in businesses and organizations as well. When you were at the children's hospital, what, what were some of the maybe some key successes that you feel that you had in, in this whole area of demonstration and learning and discussion? The impact was on the people. When they would go through this and actually practice these things we were talking about, we would discuss them. They'd share their point of view. They would share their experiences. The learning, the confidence that was built in them was so dramatically different. Mm. From my lecture mode to this place where they're now being involved 
they started to walk out with that attitude. I can do this. I yeah. did it in class. You know, I did it in this thing we, we were discussing about. I understood it. I could explain it back to you. I get it now. Mm. Before, if it's just me lecturing, it's like, everybody get it? And they all nod their heads and they half of them walk out the door. What the, what were we even talking about today? <laughs> well, well you, you just brought something really interesting there because it was more, you said there was more than just demonstrating and discussing. They were, you were actually getting them to practice doing something in the process. Uh, that adage, practice makes perfect, right? Um, yes. And, and so, I think from what you were sharing with me, like if you get people to actually practice, so you've demonstrated, you've got them discussing things together. So they're trying to work out how it works, but when they actually do it, it now becomes part of their body memory, right? It's yes. like, I think the, the, the stats are 75% retention at that point. Yes. When I'm doing it, I, and now I'm so involved. I mean, it's that kinesthetic learning. It's experiential learning. When I'm starting to do it now, and I'm learning as I go, okay, that didn't go so well, but this really went well. And it's like, okay, the confidence is building up, and I'll start to do it more. It'll become a habit. So for those of you who are listening, you'll probably think, well, how do I start getting people to practice what I'm doing? I'm really good at telling people what to do. Uh, James, how would you advise people in terms of providing the practical, you know, it's, those of you who've been on this uh, podcast know we often say that information plus application is transformation. It's that application part uh, that, you know, a lot of us are good at the information part. How do we, how do we begin to skill ourselves in the, in the practical? What are the questions that you ask? What are the, the things that go through your brain when you, when you're trying to get people to uh, engage in something? Yeah, that was over time. Real, I mean, Early on, when my in my lectures, <laughs> I didn't even have time to talk about application. At the end, it was like, oh, you know, go do something with it this week. <laughs> Wouldn't even talk about. It. We didn't have time for it because I was in my lecture mode. But as I started to realize how people understand things, it's like we need to put a big chunk of time here at the end of the class to talk about application. All right, we've talked about this content. What stuck out to you? What are you going to do with that information? Who are you going to talk to? Even create within the class, you know, the two of you, be accountability partners. You have to check in next week with each other and ask each other, how did that go? You were going to try to have that conversation with your wife or with your boss or whomever. And just talking about the fact that we have to do something with it or it's going to just leave. We're going to forget it eventually and making that happen. And so that accountability piece was really helpful for people to realize I got somebody who's going to be calling me next Wednesday. So I better go out and do this thing that I've been talking about. And I want to learn it. So there's a, you know greater motivation to do that also. But it has to be talked about. It has to be applied. And to do it in the classroom is really helpful to give people that first round with it. All right. I practiced it in the class and it actually went well. It gives me a little confidence here to go out. And if I didn't do it well, I, I learn as we talk through it. Why did it not go so well? But practicing doing it and then asking people to go out and do that and, you know, and check in with them about that piece. Then they come back and they actually start to teach the rest of the class. This is what I learned when I did it. That's so good. And for those of you listening, maybe you're, you're, you're saying, well, how does this apply? You're in a situation where maybe you are thinking, why aren't people getting what I'm trying to communicate to them? Why is it taking them so slow? to to get hold of something and and these principles that you you're sharing here James are really really important because the moment like you said somebody can actually start saying I've done it and now I can help other people do it 
that is the moment where that becomes just a part of who they are. And because they're doing it, therefore, they know it's the experience now that gets embedded in them, right? And and the moment that you're able to train other people to do it, that's that's critical, okay? And when they can train others. I remember um, way back, I had this mentor. I used to travel with him. He used to lecture. Well, no, he didn't just lecture. He was really good at demonstration and and pulling people into his classes. And I would watch him, and he would be like the most amazing communicator I'd ever met. And then about a year in, he says, okay, Steve, I'm going to take a break. You're going to do this lecture next time. And I'm going, what? You know, it freaked me out totally. Okay. And so I, I was busy just trying to recall his cues, how he connected with people, how he demonstrated what he was doing, how he would open things up for questions. But what I didn't realize was I've been learning through all the audiovisual demonstrations, discussions, the, the practice. When I began to teach it, it took on a whole different dimension. It once became mine. I took an ownership for it. And all of a sudden, it, be, it came alive to me. And so I love this piece where when you begin to teach it and teach others or can mentor others or instruct others, equip others, that's when you know that you've really learned something. Yeah, that ability to be able to teach others also than this new content, it really does demonstrate what you do know and understand. And you spend so much time studying it and researching and preparing for that teaching piece that it really does start to sink in deep with those people. So I would love to do that in the class sometimes. If it seemed like this content was too easy, people's response was, oh, yeah, I've already got that piece. Well, great. Why don't you teach the rest of the class what you know about this? And I wouldn't do it in a sarcastic or mean way, but it would just invite them to share their learnings and their understanding. And sometimes they'd stumble and sometimes like they obviously knew what they were talking about. So they did a really good job but it really did even help build their confidence when they were given that opportunity to share what they did know. And that again yeah. goes back to the discussion pieces and other things we've already talked about. When people are involved, it just sinks in a whole lot deeper. So as, as we kind of conclude here, James, just kind of want to summarize a few things. It's been fascinating to me, just understanding that the more we engage, the more we can engage our audience, the more that the, audience can then begin to participate or practice in what they're being seen or demonstrated in, the more effective that becomes. Just thinking this out aloud, you know, as we're talking, you kept the instructional part, the the speaking part to about 5% of your lecture. <laughs> okay. So, you know, that kiss, that kiss uh, principle, keep it simple, stupid, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> if you keep it to what people need to know, have maybe additional reading available to them if they need it. But the key is then to engage them visually and kinesthetically. In other words, visually something that they can see uh, and they can absorb. But then once they see it, they they are then shown how to do it. And then yeah. they begin to interact with it. That would be like the most effective process. Would you agree with that, James? Yeah, I would say yeah, the connecting with them intellectually, connecting with them emotionally, because I mean, when there's that emotional component to this also, if I yeah. feel like this is a safe place to really share, to share my thoughts, to share my questions, my doubts, oh my gosh, I am going to learn so much because I can be so honest with this person. It does create one of the most healthy learning environments I've ever seen. Well, and then if you can engage and experience the teaching or experience yes. the instruction, 
okay, in a positive, sometimes even in a negative way, <laughs> um, it sticks with you. Yes, okay? it does. Because you, all of a sudden it becomes real to you. Yeah. That's the difference between things that stick and things that don't. Information that just goes into your head just collects dust. Yeah. When that information becomes a reality because you encounter it, it sticks with you, and now it becomes your your uh, your experience to give away. And yeah. And it becomes wisdom long term, actually. Yeah. You know, One so. of my greatest possessions or resources that I have when it comes to education are activities. Certain mm-hmm. activities that we do in the classroom where people are having to do something like trying to build the tallest tower with, you know, spaghetti noodles and a marshmallow that has wow. to go on the top. You know, it's like, how do you do this? And they have to work together as a team. They're starting to apply the communication principle we talked about. They're starting to learn about leadership. They're they're doing it. They're feeling it. They're experiencing the successes and the failures. And when afterwards we debrief that, like the stuff they learn is just amazing. I just kind of step back and watch them, listen to them talk as they share what they've learned, what they struggled with. And it is some of the stuff that they will never forget. Just out of curiosity, what's your most favorite workshop activity that you've done it to to get a point across gosh it depends on the point but I, there are a couple that i really love is that one it's the, called the marshmallow challenge so you can look that, it up on youtube that, how does that work <laughs> well you you give people a certain everybody four or five different teams about four people in each group they each have a certain number of spaghetti noodles got a little bit of tape a little bit of string they've got a marshmallow and the marshmallow has to be on top of the structure and at the end of a certain period of time, 15 minutes or whatever, everybody has to stop. And wherever that marshmallow is, that's what we measure from the table to the top, you know, wherever that marshmallow is. And whoever has the highest structure wins. It's just a simple thing. But children are usually better at this than 90% of adults. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's, I think I've seen that on YouTube, right? Oh, and you can look it up. The marshmallow challenge. It is hilarious. Ki- but it's, kid- it's a powerful activity. And the kids just learn how to interact and discuss. Yeah, and, and kids play know. with stuff. Yeah. You know, the worst people doing it were master's students coming out of college because they're looking for the right answer. <laughs> it never works. CEOs, they're not doing so good until you add their administrative assistance. Then they do a whole lot better. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's yeah. fascinating. But the well, learnings that happen in the midst of that process of me doing stuff, those are learnings that we just don't forget. Well, thank you, James, for joining me today and uh, this discussion on learning. If you're listening right now and just kind of what is the transformation application? Well, for a moment, just think about how you want to communicate knowledge, whether it's to your kids or whether <laughs> to your spouse, <laughs> whether in, in, in your workplace or whatever. What could you do to make your uh, communication more effective? And we, we're going to just highlight, find ways to be more engaging, bring people, draw people out, find ways to discuss, get them to practice what you're trying to demonstrate to them, okay? And even give people opportunity to teach it themselves, because in that place, you might see some real breakthroughs in what you're trying to do. So if you're stuck and you people aren't getting what you're trying to say, take a step back. Let's understand the way that they learn, and maybe you need to adjust the way that you teach. Well, James, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure to see you. I love your laughter. I love your smile. And uh, take care, okay? Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Transform Your Life podcast. 
We'll be releasing a new episode every Monday, so we hope you'll continue to tune in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show to reach more people around the world. If you're looking for coaching or more resources, follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or our Instagram page, From the Insight Out. If you want to connect with me, Pete Cafarcio, go to PeteCoaching.com. And if you want to connect with me, Steve Chua, go to SteveChuaIntl.com. Remember, we want to help you transform your life so that you can transform your world. Have an awesome week, everyone.